Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hi, you're listening to the Wall Street Oasis podcast, a podcast about breaking into the world of finance, along with interviews with those who have. I'm Alex Grodnick, and on today's show, we have our first repeat guest, Andre Bueno, who's back to give us more tips on how to break into Wall Street. Andre is also a success story of the investment banking course from Wall Street Oasis. He used it to crush the technical portions of the interviews he had. You too can check it out on wallstreetoasis.com. And if you buy it, make sure you select podcast is where you heard about it. All right, Andre, welcome back. No, it's awesome. Um, Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So let's just jump right in. You sent me a really detailed outline of how to get jobs, how to have a good attitude while you're doing it, what you need to research, the mindset you need to have. So let's jump into the very beginning. What do you need to do before you start doing all of this? Preliminary research, mindset, and some meditation maybe? What is it? So one, one of the things that I was thinking about is over the last couple of weeks, I had a lot of people reach out to me. They're reaching out you know, like via LinkedIn. And a lot of what uh, we've been discussing is really what we what I boil down to what's called the prime method. And the prime method really comes down to the preliminary like interview stuff that you got to do, the research to figure out exactly the background of you know the team, the company, the industry. You want to think about the interaction. And then when you move on from that, you're going into mindset and lastly, execution. So with regards to just like preliminary stuff, as you, you know, obviously know, you know, you want to have your resume intact. You want to have an idea of exactly like you want to be able to tailor your resume to the exact position you're searching for. And as, as we discussed, you know, having the technicals, that just gets you to the interview. That just gets you to the front door. But in terms of actually being able to get you to that ultimate next step, I mean, you really have to be very strategic about it. So, I mean, I keep thinking about a lot of different individuals who are looking for positions like on Wall Street, and they're not really mindful of all the groundwork that needs to get done before they even go and hit that submit button. So I think it's very useful if we kind of break it down, um, you know, talking about, call it, for example, like your online presence. A lot of people have, you know, a social media presence that they may or may not know, like how impactful it is. And when you look at, for example, like a Facebook or you look at like your Instagram and you have pictures of 
you drinking or doing other stuff, that's ultimately one of the things that may or may not be hurting your chances of ever even landing that internship or landing that full-time job. Did you ever run into that? Well, I was always mindful of that. I know sometimes, right, especially in school, someone will post a picture of you holding a beer. And so I tried to stomp that out at the source level. And if anyone was taking a picture of me, I would try to set down the drink. But yeah, I, that's 100% great advice. You have to be mindful of how you look on social media. So that's, that's interesting because a lot of, a lot of different kind of organizations when they're going out and they're looking to source new clients, they're really trying to figure out, can I, can I bring this person onto my team? Can I work with this person? And they're ultimately thinking, you know, whoever they're bringing on, not only are you associated with them, but that's ultimately like a, a reflection of the kind of, I guess, individual that you are. And it's a reflection really on them. So just kind of jumping into it, I mean, in terms of, you know, preparing for the interview, I mean, just thinking about it just from like a, just a top down perspective, like when, when I'd go out and, you know, going to look at interviewing at like different banks, different institutions, it really came down to having a, a good grasp on everything that's going on from call it a top level. So what's going on with the industry? What are the major news items? We think about um, the company itself. Um, it's very easy to kind of overlook that, especially when you're doing the spray and pray approach where you just apply to 50 different jobs and hopes one of them sticks. A lot of times that big differentiating factor is just the fact that you know so much about that specific industry that when you go into that first interview, you go into you know that first, call it even phone screen, being able to, you know, effectively communicate, like, here's what's going on in the industry, here's how this company's positioned, and ultimately, you know, being able to plug yourself in there in the process. But do you think that's something that's helpful for, you know, someone who's looking for an internship? Absolutely. I think you have to find a way to add value. On one of the last podcasts, we talked about someone going in the lobby of Lehman Brothers and just handing out resumes. And that says that you're you know, maybe you're hardworking and you're persistent and you're not going to take no, but like what, what did, what does it show that you are going to provide to the bank, to the firm, to whatever? Uh, so I think you have to find a way to prove yourself. And as you said, this spray and pray, that can be fine. You send 75 emails sprayed everywhere. And then as they start to, you start to get success. Once you, once you set up a call, a coffee with someone, you need to know everything about that person, their background, the firm they work for, the background of the firm, what deals they're working on, what deals they have worked on, where they, the, they want to go in their business. And then you can, you can come and you can have an educated conversation with them. If you don't do that research, then, then you shouldn't even be doing this. So that, that's, that's funny you bring that up because when it comes down to like the interactions, like these small interactions can lead to like the big payoffs. So when, when I was a salesperson at Morgan Stanley, for example, like I realized it took about seven touches to actually conduct the sale. And when you're interviewing, it's like, it's really no different, right? You're, you're selling yourself. So having that mindset and knowing like that proper escalation is key, the best way to like really approach this is to be able to think about this from the perspective of how do I move it from a digital interaction to a personal interaction? And a lot of that really takes, you know, being, being really socially savvy. And I feel that, 
you know, especially when you're coming from, call it, you're not in the real world, you're not, you know, dealing with clients all the time, you're not used to getting in front and pitching, it's a very uncomfortable feeling. So how did, how did you get past that? Right, so I have an affinity for cold emailing and putting myself out there. And I thought that everyone I did, I made myself a better person and more humble and I could learn something from somebody else. So I really treated it as that I was bettering myself. Um, but you're the, you're the guest on the podcast. So I want to, and you were really, really good at this. So I want to hear how you go, uh, you know, from zero to 100, how you start cold emailing, how you escalate that to a coffee, how you escalate that to an interview. Like what's the process? How do you do that? So that, that's funny. So how do you, so how do you go from zero to a hundred real quick? Um, for me, at least with my experience, I'm, I'm definitely not as great of a writer as you are. So cold email, like I've never had much success with that. It's very easy for people to ignore my emails. You know, even, even for me, like I get so many emails, like on a day to day basis that when, when I looked at what the email interaction meant to me or how successful I've been, I usually found that when I used emails to, I guess, schedule it to the, for the next step, that's when I was the most successful. So every time I'd, I'd submit these like long emails and I'm like, here are the 20 questions that I've had or the five questions or whatever that number is, the professional's looking on the other end and thinking, I could respond to this or I can go back to working on this deal that I'm doing. And what, what I've found is all I'm trying to do is basically use the cold email to get to that next step, which is, you know, can I get you on the phone? Can I get you out for coffee? Can I get you in person? Because I found that we're a lot more persuasive when we're actually in person. And, and, that's, and that's another thing. I mean, taking it a step further, I found that LinkedIn was great, um, even though it's very impersonal, but it, just the very fact that you can put a name with the picture together, that's actually one of the biggest things. So being able to kind of going back you know, as we were talking about, you know, from the kind of preliminary research perspective, when you're looking at, you know, your social media presence, I'm basically telling one story, which is um, this professional, this is what I'm looking at doing. I'm establishing my credibility and I'm ultimately trying to differentiate myself by using these different social media sites. And that actually ended up helping me a lot because when I'm going in and I'm, you know, cold calling and I'm trying to get informational interviews, I'm going in with a purpose. And I feel the biggest advantage that you have as a young professional, as an undergrad, because you don't know much, you really don't have much to lose, which is awesome because on one hand, you can go in and, you know, as an undergrad, I would do this a lot. I'd cold call the bank and I'm like, hey, I'm working on the school project. I want to know a little bit more about like how investment banking works. And I'd sit there and just data mine that person for everything they're doing. You know, what does their day-to-day -day look like? Like, what kind of deals have they done? If I couldn't find things on the internet to be able to actually effectively talk about it, I'd ask them, you know, what have you been focused on? What do you care about? And all under the pretense of I'm doing this for a school project. And that at least gave me enough insight to be dangerous so that when I'd actually go and apply ultimately for, for that position, now all of a sudden I have very deep insights on what their day-to-day -day responsibilities look like, what they expect an analyst to be doing, and ultimately how you can go from being, you know, some no-name person just trying to get a job to being a very successful person on the street. 
But I also found that blogging has been really effective. Have you, do you blog? I have never blogged. I podcast. You podcast, of course. And I've, I found like, especially for someone who doesn't have the ability of getting, you know, a lot of high profile people in front of them, um, blogging, podcasting, really anything that you can do to just get in front of that other person and basically say, Hey, like here, here's an opportunity for me to help you build your brand. That's ultimately been extremely successful. And that's really what's helped me actually differentiate like a lot of like my private equity business. So being, you know, a real estate investor and looking at other people like in the field, it's very easy for me to get caught up pretty much in the sea of other investors. And I think about that really as from the perspective of if I had known that blogging was so successful as a differentiating tool, call it as an undergrad, I think that would have made like a tremendous difference. So even for someone who doesn't have like the industry experience, but being able to go through, call it a valuation guide or an M&A guide and be able to break it down in a way that's like, you know, here's what I learned. Here's how this is applicable. You know, here's an example of a transaction. And just the fact that you're constantly writing about it. The reason why I found that to be so successful is that when I'm going in there and if I were sitting down and interviewing a candidate and I'm going through and I'm Googling this person and I see their LinkedIn and I see that they're posting and they have a blog on Medium and they're talking about, you know, different transactions that are going on in the industry and they own it all of a sudden, boom, this person knows what they're talking about. And it's very easy for me to relate to someone who brings that sort of enthusiasm and that drive. The ironic thing is you don't really have to do that much. Right. I think that's, that's awesome advice. So tell us, how do, you, how do you do that? You go to Medium, you set up a little account, and you start <clears throat> writing about subjects that you're interested in that pertain to the job that you want. Pick an industry. Private equity. Private equity. Like, let's say, for example, I wanted to become very good at being, you know, a good private equity investor. I wanted to focus on middle market buyouts, for example. Because I'm preparing for those private equity interviews, I would be studying exactly what's going on, like, in that middle market space. I'm watching the news. I'm understanding the, the industry. I'm knowing who the big players are. I'm providing my own commentary. And... Just being able to have an opinion, I think it's, it's very important, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, as long as it's grounded somewhere, that's ultimately like a huge differentiating factor. So in the world of social media, in the world of this digital age that we find ourselves in, if I'm going and interviewing a candidate for, to work at my private equity fund, for example, and they seem to know everything about everything, what transactions are going on, and they have an opinion, even if I disagree with them, I'm still going to walk away and say, huh, that person was wrong, but they knew a lot. Right. right. Having an opinion, this comes back to the research piece that we were talking about at the beginning. You have, to, you have to know your shit. You have to have done your research. Provide value in some way. Right opinions, wrong opinions. People like people that make a claim and can support it. That's the whole job of private equity. Investment banking to an extent. That's, and that's... That's like the, the coolest part about that. It's if you're, if you're studying for interviews anyways, and you're reading these news anyways, what better way to really solidify everything that you've been learning 
than to sit down and say, okay, how am I going to write one very, very concise paragraph? This these like by no means blogging is not a means to post, call it, you know, a page, two pages of just like really, really in depth, like research. It's a little paragraph. Like, honestly, what I found has been really successful for me. It's a paragraph and a picture a day. And that simple concept of just being able just to get content out and just let people know, hey, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I'm focused on. Even the people in my network, all of a sudden, when they see that, you know, I consistently write about like real estate and, you know, my private equity business, I have other private equity professionals who maybe they're interacting with me. Maybe I'm getting inbound inquiries or at the very least when I run into like different conferences, these people are approaching me and they're saying, wow, like I have no idea how you write so much. So even if they're not liking my comments or even viewing my stuff, just the fact that they recognize that I'm constantly posting things out there has really helped me differentiate myself as a professional. And I can only think about how much more impactful this could have been if I had been doing this, call it, you know, when, when I was in, when I was an undergrad. Right. And I think keeping it simple is a good methodology for this entire process of trying to get jobs and networking. When you send these cold emails, I don't know about you, it sounded like you sent longer emails. I always sent one sentence, one and a half sentence emails, subject line coffee, subject line 10 minute phone call. I'm Alex Grodnick. Here's what I'm, what I'm doing. Here's what I've done. Can we have a quick call? Really interested. Thanks. Um, and I always found that it was really, people were much more receptive. It was easier when you kept it simple, like your blog post. No one's going to read page long um, things of information. A simple paragraph, a quick picture, easy. I get the idea. They may not even read that whole thing, but they get the idea. Uh, and so I think that's really good advice. So I'm still learning. I'm not... I'm not as, as great as you are at this. So when I first started blogging, for example, I'd write these really in depth, like obscure posts and maybe 10, 15 people really understood what I was talking about and everybody else would just kind of glaze over and be like, what is this? And I've noticed over time, two things. One, being able to write as simple, as simple as possible, even taking out all the industry jargon out of there. It's not like, you know, you know, I acquired and did, you know, a, a very comprehensive restructuring of X, like, no, like very simple, you know, I bought and was able to turn around this business and being able to have a very simplistic way of being able to describe these things, it really helps kind of put you in a position where you're able to not only one, differentiate yourself from your peers, but two, really ground yourself in the process by, by showing that you know exactly what you're talking about. And it's funny you bring up like the coffee example because like reciprocation bias, for example, when you're going out and you're offering people like the ability to go out and talk about themselves and to be able to discuss, you know, how they've been successful and what are the things that, that have been really impactful, you know, in their careers people feel that that a sense of like connectedness and i think that's ultimately what what we're all really searching for you know especially like as professionals we want to not only be recognized for the things that we do but to also know that other people care about what we do and 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 you know we want to feel that what we do is meaningful right getting that fulfillment 
is important for us human beings. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's interesting because like, I I, I think about like what fulfillment means, right? And as like as a young professional, I mean, you don't you don't know what that ultimate thing is that's going to make you really happy, but you do know that when you're doing something and you're doing it well or you're crushing it, like you feel good in that process. So being able to position yourself in a way where you're ultimately, you know, going out and 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 doing the best that you possibly can in a very like narrow field, that's how like a lot of people achieve success. And when it comes down to like blogging and using like social media or, you know, emailing, if you have like a very narrow focus on, you know, I want to become the healthcare like analyst, for example, and I want to focus on equity research. If you're going and you have such a specific focus that way, now all of a sudden you can outcompete your peers because yeah, there aren't that many healthcare shops out there. But if you show that you're, you know, everybody in the field, you know, what's going on, you have so much, you know, in-depth industry research, you know, the teams, you know, what deals that are going on and you've, and you have basically a social media presence to be able to back all that. That's ultimately what's, what's differentiating the people that are succeeding in the field versus the ones who can't get, seem to get that call back. Right. That, that makes total sense. So I guess, I guess that's interesting because um, one, one, one question that um, I kept getting from a lot of people from the last podcast is, you know, oh, Andre, like you worked in, you did capital markets, you did equity research, you work in private equity, you did sales, like how do you jump from job to job? And I think about, think, think about like your story, like it's not what you've done in the past that's going to ultimately lead to like your future job. It's how you frame your past experiences that's going to help you land that next job. I see a lot of individuals who they get stuck on, you know, I'm on, I'm on the buy side, I'm on the sell side, or I'm, you know, on the public side, I'm on the private side. And, and they, they latch on to these labels and they think, you know, you know, once I go to investment banking, like, that's it. Like I can never do this other, this other thing. Like if I go into investment banking, I can't go into sales because public and private, like you're moving in between these two fields, the Chinese wall and all that. So being able to frame like your past experiences in the current role that's been extremely helpful for a lot of different individuals. I mean, have you ever done that yourself? Yeah, of course. I've transitioned from investment banking to digital media, from wealth management to investment banking. So it's all this image perception that you have to, that you have to manage and blogging is key to doing that. Having a succinct resume, clear cover letters and good emails. So all of this is really important in kind of honing your whole brand, your image, what you're smart at, what you're good at. People, at the end of the day, just want someone that they can relate to, someone that they can trust, someone that they think is going to be hardworking and is smart. Um, And you're going to be around these people for many, many hours a day. So someone that they can get along with. And you just have to kind of package all that up into a nice little succinct bundle. So so let me me ask you this. Like, you, you went out, you did a whole bunch of, like, uh, call it interviews. You went from position to position. Did you get rejected a lot? Oh my God. I, I get rejected all the time. I still get rejected. Uh, but I never really did the, the spray and pray 
approach where you send out 75 emails. I always did my research up front and I would go on LinkedIn and I would triangulate, okay, I know someone who knows someone here. I'll drop their name in the email or I'll try to get them to make an introduction for me or I'm really interested in the media space. I'm just going to talk to every media investment banker or investor. But of course with this, I mean, your success rate on cold emails is low. Your success rate from turning a cold email into a coffee, into an interview is low. I mean, all of these things require an extreme amount of rejection. It's like becoming an actor, right? They say it takes like 10 years and you're out there just getting rejected and rejected. And I think what differentiates the people that make it versus the people that don't are those that just can brush off the rejection. I look at every rejection as getting me one step closer to a yes. I look at every rejection that I learned something, I met someone, I got one more connection on LinkedIn, I got one more connection at a firm, I heard an interesting story. So you have to look at the pros of this process versus, oh man, I just got a no again, this sucks, I suck, this is never gonna work out for me. I think it's important to try to have the um, wherewithal to think, you know, life, the universe has a plan for me. I mean, when I was doing investment banking, I never thought I would be going to business school and starting a podcasting company that just never even, not in my wildest dreams, but now look at this and I enjoy what I'm doing. It doesn't feel like work. And uh, so we'll see where, we'll see where it goes. I have no idea. It's a little scary. It's a startup, uh, but I think I'm on the right path. I work hard. So I just have to trust in myself. And I think that's really important. So I love that. I mean, you've obviously, you have a, a, a great background. You've worked at you know, a number of great shops. You're building a very successful startup. You have crazy clients. I know one of your clients, I don't know if we can discuss this, but um, I, know, I know one of your clients was, uh, was a big three consulting firm. And you're getting access to these individuals. And, and it's very interesting because as you, as you apply that process, it really comes down to like mindset. And it's funny because, um, I remember this one time I had, uh, I had two interviews at two super days. It was, one was a bank of America, Merrill Lynch it was for a restructuring group for like sovereign, uh, it was a sovereign restructuring group where we we're going to do some stuff in like Latin America. Um, obviously I'd, didn't get that position. I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, later in that day I had a trading interview. So two completely different interviews. I go, I go into the Bamel interview and within the first five, 10 minutes, the guy realizes I have no idea what I'm talking about. And they just go on a rant. They're just like, wow, could have been talking to a guy from Harvard, but here I am wasting my time with you. You don't know what you're doing. You come here unprepared and I walk out of there and I feel like the worst human being ever. You know, I wasted the guy's time. I didn't know what I was doing. The guy basically told me I'm a child. I don't, you know, have any experience. And, and I'm walking out of there and I'm just super down about it. And I start thinking about, okay, like I have a super day with Barclays later. Like, how do I, how do I turn this around? And there was a, uh, are you familiar with Tony Robbins? Yeah, of course. So I was, I was listening to a, uh, I was listening to one of Tony's books. I think it was Awaken the Giant from Within. And he talks about how it's so important that like motion creates emotion. So I'm there. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling depressed. I'm at Bryant Park. I got to walk through Times Square. And I'm like, all right, I got to be able to turn this around. And I have 
basically an hour and a half. So I kept thinking about, okay, like how do, how do I start feeling good about going into this next interview? And what I started doing was as crazy as it sounds, I started walking up to people and I'm like just asking people to give me a high five. And it's, it's so stupid. It's so silly. But just the fact that I was able to connect with a couple people and I'm just having fun and I'm thinking to myself, this is so crazy. Like I, I probably shouldn't say this in public, but the more and more that I kept doing it, the more like excited that I got, the happier that I got. Like, I'm just like, this is so funny that this is working because now I feel good about this. And then I ultimately went into that Barclays interview and kind of applying everything that, you know, we talked about to this conversation. It's, you know, I went in, started talking to um, one of the entry level people, started asking them questions about their day to day and their experience. And I had all this research I had done beforehand and just being able to leverage that and just kind of taking it step by step. So the first interview was they'd come in and grill me with questions. And as I'm getting grilled, I'm asking them, like, what do you think about the market? And what do you think about, you know, these different economies and being able to get that information and carrying that into the next interview. So by the time I got four or five interviews in, the managing director is looking at my resume and he's like, how do you know so much about trading like sovereign derivatives? And I'm, and I'm basically talking in depth about like credit default swaps, like how Mexico is outperforming Brazil and all this stuff. <laughs> and, and being able to have that kind of, I guess I'd say groundedness or being able to, being able to have like these like little mental tricks, like in the back, in your back pocket. I think those are the things that will ultimately help you kind of get through the hard times. So what else, what else do you think, I guess, other people should know about, I guess, the interview process, especially when it comes to, um, I guess, trying to land that position that they ultimately want. Well, I love what you just said. Let's end it with this rejection therapy. That's what it's called, what you were just doing. And that's the process of actively seeking out rejection every single day. So instead of you ask people for the high five, you actually want to hear no, because when you hear no, it humbles you. It makes you realize that hearing no is really no big deal. It makes you willing to put yourself out there and ask for things. And by starting off small, asking someone for a high five, for a stick of gum, something like that, you can build to end up asking people for a job, for more money at that job. It all becomes really easy. It's like desensitizing yourself to germs. Someone who's afraid of germs is told to you know, touch the handrail at the subway station every single day and touch it for longer each day. And over time, 20, 30 days, all of a sudden you're not afraid to touch that handrail anymore. You're not afraid of germs anymore. It's the same thing with rejection. You can desensitize yourself to the fear of it. And I think that in this game, it's pretty necessary as evidenced by you, as evidenced by me, as evidenced by everybody else that hustles their way into investment making, into Wall Street, into private equity. You have to have that. You have to not take yourself so seriously, not be afraid to hear no, and just know that it gets you one step closer to yes each time you hear it. Absolutely. Okay, Andre. Well, Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for the advice. Listeners, I hope you put this into practice. Yeah, I mean, I'm very grateful for uh, for the Wall Street Oasis community. A lot of great people. I think everyone out there just ultimately wants to hustle for a better life. And um, hopefully this is uh, this is my value add to society. 
I'm Alex Grodnick, and you've been listening to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with me to tell me what you like, what you don't like, how great I am, or you just want some advice on your journey, you can contact me, alex at wallstreetoasis.com. We have much more coming, so please stay with us.